Loving Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. I shall resume from where I left off last time, which was a description of the dice game in which the Pandavas lost everything and Draupadi was about to be humiliated publicly, etc. This dice game scene in the Mahabharata the epic story of the Pandavas and the Kauravas is full of deep significance. It shows how even the clever and the righteous can, at critical times, lose their discrimination. This is exactly what happened to Yudhishthira. It also shows that even the learned and the wise sometimes turn a blind eye to grave misdeeds in society shirking their duty to protest and give expression to their conscience. This is exactly what Bhishma, Drona and Kripa were guilty of. They should have all spoken during the dice game and counseled the Kauravas, but they did not. All that I described last time. Above all, this scene that I refer to shows how when everything else seems lost, there is still the Lord, the last resort, and He never fails a loyal devotee. Swami often describes the rescue of Draupadi by Krishna and then refers to a later personal meeting between Draupadi and Krishna. On that occasion, Draupadi asks, O Krishna, why were you so long in coming to my rescue? To that Krishna replies, Draupadi, you hail me as Dwarakavasi, the one who lives in Dwaraka. And so I had to first rush to Dwaraka to make your words true. Then you address me as Mathravasi, the one who lives in Mathra, which made me rush to Mathra. With all this running around, I couldn't come quickly to your aid. But finally you hail me as Hridayavasi, the one who dwells in the heart or the Hridaya. At that point, I could rush immediately because no long-distance travel was involved. Obviously, Swami is being slightly humorous, but the point being made is simply that God is not here or there. He is present right within our hearts 24-7, and that really is where we must look for Him. To get on with the story, barely had the Pandavas departed after that turbulent drama, back to Indraprasad that is, then Duryodhana pounced upon his father for glibly gifting away what had been won with deep stratagem. Duryodhana said to his father, The Pandavas are like wounded serpents and they would now be waiting to attack. And before that happens, they must be totally neutralized. The only way is to win the kingdom back from them with yet another game of dice and then banishing them to the forest. Dice game again? Which fool would agree to that? That is what Dhritarashtra asked Duryodhana. And Duryodhana gave the reply, Father, you seem to forget that no matter what the circumstances, a person of royal blood 
can never refuse an invitation to a game of dice. That is the code of conduct and you know Yudhishthira is a stickler for observing the code. The weakling and doting father that he was, Dhritarashtra yielded to his son's perverted arguments and poor Vidura was once again sent to invite the Pandavas. Once bitten, twice shy, says the proverb. No matter what the code of etiquette, the Pandavas could, with justification, have refused the invitation for a second round. But strangely, each of the Pandavas reconciled to it for a different reason. Bhima, for example, felt that this time, by winning, they could wipe out the ignominy of the former occasion. And so it was that the second round of the dice game commenced hardly before the wounds inflicted in the first had healed. This time, Sakuni changed the bets. The losing party would go away in exile to the forest for a period of 12 years, followed by one year of incognito existence. If during that one year period of incognito existence, the losing party's identity is discovered, the whole penalty would have to be gone through again. That is, another 12 years in the forest followed by one year of incognito life. The deal was agreed to and the game commenced. Once again, Sakuni cheated left and right and in no time at all, Yudhishthira won for the Pandavas the 13-year hardship. So the Pandavas left for the forests, and soon after they left, Vidura remonstrated with Dhritarashtra for being no sled by his wild sons. In his heart, Dhritarashtra knew that what Vidura said was correct, but he was unable to stomach the truth. He then ordered Vidura out, and Vidura departed gladly. But soon, better sense prevailed on the blind king, for without Vidura he was doubly blind. So a messenger was sent to fetch Vidura, who by this time had joined the Pandavas. Thus, within a jiffy, poor Vidura was back to his thankless job of advising a king who was not only blind, but deaf as well. The same advice, that is. Meanwhile, Krishna, who was busy in Dwaraka grappling with his own quote-unquote problems, heard about the double debacle suffered by the Pandavas and he rushed to the forest to meet the Pandavas and console them. While many advocated immediate war, that among the Pandavas that is, Yudhishthira was cool, firmly committed to the assurance given earlier that the loser would serve a 13-year hardship. Draupati, who was still smarting under the humiliation she had suffered earlier, Ask Krishna with anguish, O Krishna, my tormentors have gone scot-free while the great Pandava heroes here are in the forest. Are their might and prowess doomed to hibernation in this jungle? Why don't you speak out? Krishna was visibly moved and he replied, My dear sister, please listen to me. Those who tormented you cannot go scot-free. On the contrary, they are doomed to miserable death in a bloody battlefield. I can see it coming, but you cannot. 
all i ask from you now is patience that's all and so with much patience and fortitude the pandavas went through 12 long years of hardship and difficulties and of course numerous experiences as well indraprastha the kingdom they once ruled now came under the control of the kauravas and it was not clear if the kauravas would return it at the end of the exile period therefore in preparation for a possible war arjuna on the advice of elders withdrew for a while to the himalayas to meditate on lord shiva arjuna offered intense penance and he wanted to seek the boon of divine weapons pleased with arjuna's devotion shiva in due course blessed arjuna with an immensely powerful missile known as pashupata one day during the exile period duryodhana and karna got the idea of going to the forest dvaitavana where the pandavas were spending time so that they could personally see the suffering of the exiled ones and gloat over it but when the kauravas went to dvaitavana with their army and royal retinue they faced obstruction from a gandharva prince and a fight ensued curiously in spite of their great strength the kauravas were defeated in the fight and were taken captive instead of seeing the pandavas in trouble duryodhana was himself in difficulties having been bound hand and foot some of the kauravas who escaped capture ran to yudhishthira in the forest to give him the news and do you know what yudhishthira did he ordered bhima and arjuna to attack the gandharvas and secure the release of prisoner duryodhana bhima was shocked and at first flatly refused but yudhishthira told him in compelling terms bhima i know how you feel but kauravas are our cousins one should not rejoice at the suffering of even one's worst enemy that being the case how can you exult on the suffering of your own cousin that is not in conformity with dharma though not fully convinced bhima and arjuna yielded to their elder brother because when it came to adherence to dharma there was no greater stickler than yudhishthira in no time at all the gandharvas were vanquished by bhima and arjuna and duryodhana was released ashamed and thoroughly humiliated the kauravas returned to hastinapura their mission having completely backfired yudhishthira's extraordinary commitment to dharma is exemplified by an incident which took place during the exile one day while wandering in the forest yudhishthira became very thirsty and asked nakula to fetch some water nakula searched and soon found a pool feeling thirsty himself he thought he would first take a sip before taking water for his elder brother just then he heard a voice which said i am the yaksha who is the lord of this pool before you drink my water you must first answer my questions if you violate my stipulation you would fall dead nakala was so thirsty that he did not pay attention to the warning he drank some water 
and promptly fell dead. As Nakula did not return for a while, Yudhishthira sent Sahadeva to investigate and also get some water. It was the same story again. Sahadeva too violated the warning and fell dead. After that, it was the turn of Bhima and Arjuna. And finally, thoroughly perplexed, Yudhishthira set out to investigate. He too reached the fatal pool and saw the corpses of his four brothers. Even as he was wondering as to what had happened, the voice sounded again with the usual warning. Yudhishthira realized that all his brothers must have ignored the warning. And learning from that experience, he decided to answer the questions that the Yaksha posed. The questions from the so-called Lord of the Pool followed in rapid fire. What makes the sun to shine every day? Yudhishthira replied, The power of Brahman. What rescues man in danger? Yudhishthira replied, Courage. By what study does a man become wise? Wisdom does not come from study, but by association with the wise and the great. And so on it went. Finally, what is happiness? Yudhishthira said, Character is happiness. What is it that, by abandoning which, man becomes the beloved of all? Yudhishthira said, The answer is simple, pride. What is that, which, when lost, leads to joy? Anger. And what is the greatest wonder in the world? Yudhishthira smiled and replied, People believing they would live forever, even though they see people dying every day. The Yaksha who controlled the pool was pleased and replied, speaking in an ethereal voice, O wise one, you may have one of your brothers back alive. I leave the choice to you. Which one among the four do you want alive? Without a moment's hesitation, Yudhishthira replied, I want Nakula. Please restore him to life. The voice said, This I shall gladly do, but would you first tell me why you chose Nakula and not say Bhima or Arjuna? To that Yudhishthira answered, O Lord of the Pool, my father had two wives, Kunti and Madri. I am the eldest son of Kunti, and Nakula is the eldest son of Madri. It was in the interest of natural justice that I asked for the restoration of Nakula, for in that manner, both my mothers would have one surviving son each. At this stage, the voice assumed a form and revealed itself. It was none other than Yama or Dharmaraja, the father of Yudhishthira. He said, Son, I am mighty pleased with you, and as a token of my happiness, I shall restore all your brothers to life. Only a few days remain for the completion of your twelve-year exile. It will pass out smoothly, and the thirteenth year also will pass by. You are a shining beacon of Dharma, and one day you will reign as King Supreme. Finally came the thirteenth year which had to be spent incognito. For this purpose, assuming appropriate disguises, the Pandavas, accompanied by Draupadi, went to the court of King Virata and found suitable employment there. 
One day, towards the end of this incognito period, Draupadi, who was being continuously harassed by a man called Kichaka, complained to Bhima about her problem. Bhima then suitably enticed Kichaka to a secluded spot, where Bhima killed him after a fierce fight. This was no ordinary feat, since Kichaka was a huge ruffian. Word about Kichaka being slain reached the Kauravas and they strongly suspected that Kichaka's death must have something to do with Bhima. Wanting to expose the disguise of the Pandavas and thus exile them for another 13 years, the Kauravas rushed to the kingdom of Virata and attacked it. Battle ensued in which Arjuna, though in the disguise of a female, participated in the battle and the Kauravas were defeated. Duryodhana protested that he had seen through the disguise of the Pandavas and therefore they had to repeat their exile as per the original conditions. The Pandavas refused. Their argument was that by the time Duryodhana woke up, the exile period was actually over, a fact that was confirmed by Bhishma after consulting the almanacs. However, Duryodhana refused to accept the contention and there was tension in the air. The big question in everyone's mind was, what would happen now? Though the Pandavas knew well the psychology of their Kaurava cousins, still the ever-peaceful Yudhishthira decided to try the olive branch by sending an emissary to the court of Dhridharashtra, seeking a peaceful return of Indraprastha, which had been annexed by the Kauravas during the exile period. The emissary went to the court of Dhridharashtra but returned with empty hands. The war clouds now began to gather and both camps began to line up allies in the event of an armed conflict. As a part of this exercise, both Duryodhana and Arjuna went to Dwaraka to seek Krishna's help. Fully aware that the two were coming, Krishna staged a little drama. Even as the two were arriving, he lay in his bed, pretending to be fast asleep. By the side of his head there was a chair placed. Both Duryodhana and Arjuna being well known to Krishna, they had the right of free entry into Krishna's palace right up to the bedroom. Duryodhana arrived first went to the bedroom, saw Krishna sleeping and then parked himself in the empty chair, waiting for Krishna to wake up. Arjuna entered shortly thereafter and he too saw Krishna was sleeping. He was annoyed that Duryodhana had come ahead of him, but there was nothing much he could do about it. He decided that he too would wait for Krishna to wake up and he stood standing near Krishna's feet his hands joined in reverence. Feeling that it was time to get on with the play, Krishna now pretended to wake up and since Arjuna was near his feet, chose to see him first and asked, Hello Arjuna, so nice to see you. When did you come? Annoyed that Arjuna received the first attention, Duryodhana said, Krishna, I too am here. In fact, I came first. With a smile on his face, Krishna said, 
that may be true but since i saw arjuna first i am obliged to attend to him first by the way i know why both of you have come here you are both preparing for war as for me i am a man of peace if you want me let me make it very clear that i would not lift any weapon or fight but if you wish you can have my army and i don't mind if my army participates in the fight now arjuna what will be your choice without a moment's hesitation arjuna said krishna i want you you and you alone it does not matter if you will not take up arms this was sweet music to the ears of duryodhana who wanted krishna's army rather than krishna himself in this manner krishna pleased both his visitors and each got what he deserved that incidentally was how krishna ended up as arjuna's charioteer in the great kurukshetra war this scene too is full of inner significance for it portrays the two choices man has to seek either worldly gifts from the lord almighty or to seek his divine grace that is prayers or shreyas almost invariably the preference of man is for prayers rather than shreyas even though it is well established that prayers leads only to misery right from the time of duryodhana that lesson has still to be learnt as the war clouds grew stronger dhritarashtra began to get scared he therefore sent his close associate sanjaya as his envoy to plead with the pandavas to let bygones be bygones live in peace bearing no animosity to the kauravas and incidentally also forget their claims to indraprastha naturally there were no takers in the pandava camp for such an atrocious offer as a countermeasure the pandavas sent krishna as their emissary to the court of dhritarashtra presenting himself before the blind king krishna said o king the pandavas are peace loving people they have fully completed their obligations following their defeat in the game of dice 13 years ago all they now ask for is the old kingdom please be wise enough to return their territory dhritarashtra was inclined to agree to krishna's request but the ever angry duryodhana intervened and shouted no indraprastha no town no village not even five pin heads of land shall be given to pandavas krishna returned empty handed as of course he knew he would and the die was firmly cast it would now be war events moved swiftly both sides striving their best to line up as many supporters as possible in accordance with the dharma of war the rules of combat the place of fighting the hours of fighting etc were all meticulously laid down and both sides swore total commitment to the observance of the rules thus it was that kurukshetra was selected as the venue for the battle in each day the fighting was to conclude at sunset on the opening day just before the fighting actually commenced yudhishthira got down from his chariot 
and with folded hands walked towards the Kaurava ranks. Everyone was flabbergasted. Was Yudhishthira throwing in the towel and surrendering? No such thing. All that was happening was that Yudhishthira was going to pay his respects to elders like Bhishma, Kripa and Drona, whom he would shortly have to face as adversaries. Was this all a put-on? No. On the contrary, Yudhishthira took his duties to elders quite seriously. Thus, when he approached Bhishma, he reverentially bowed to him and said, Grandsire, I offer my humble salutations to you and seek your pardon for daring to fight against you. As you well know, all this is ordained by fate and neither of us has any control over it. I seek your blessings and also the permission to begin the fight. And please, also advises how we may conquer you. That then is the sample of the etiquette of those times. A few remarks about how Bhishma and a few others found themselves fighting on the side of the Kauras. Bhishma, for example, never approved of the actions of either Dhritarashtra or Duryodhana. But having all along enjoyed in some sense their patronage, he was committed to fight on the side of the Kauravas. Karna is another example of one who cast his lot with the Kauravas. Karna had many wonderful qualities apart from his martial skills. As a generous donor who gave freely to charities, Karna was unequaled and many are the stories of extreme sacrifices made by him. In his heart of hearts, Karna knew that Duryodhana was pure evil and that all his actions were wrong. Yet, that same Duryodhana had, when others sneered at him as the lowly son of a lowly charioteer, that Duryodhana conferred status on Karna by making him the king of Anga without as much as a second thought. So, loyalty compelled Karna to serve the cause of Duryodhana. On the eve of the battle, Kunti made a secret visit to Karna and revealed to him that he was in fact her son and not that of Radeya. She pleaded with Karna to join the camp of the Pandavas and she promised him that when victory was won, he, Karna and not Yudhishthira would be crowned the monarch. Karna was overjoyed to hear that he too was of real royal lineage, but he declined his mother's offer. He said, for me, loyalty overrides all other considerations. I am in no position to pass judgments over Duryodhana. He gave me shelter and support when none others did. And my duty is by his side, irrespective of his intrinsic qualities. Kunti that said, In that case, please spare the lives of the Pandavas. Others you may kill as per the rules of the warfare, but not the Pandavas. To that Karna replied, Mother, I promise that I will not cause harm to four of the Pandavas, but Arjuna is not in that list. Right from the beginning he has established himself as my sworn enemy, and him I cannot spare, even if he be my own brother. 
So it has to be either him or me. But mother, look at it this way. Whether I die or Arjuna does, you still have five sons. Kunti replied, No, Karna, your calculation is wrong. For either way, I lose. Karna is a character who is not mentioned much in the Mahabharata and if he is, he is generally maligned. However, Swami rates him very high and has spoken about him on many, many occasions. All that is reserved for the next talk. Till then, all the best and may God be with you. Loka Samasta Sukhino Bhavantu Jai Sairam